1: Closing out the week and we're going to finish out with our ranking the best and worst decisions by each team in the last five years. The dunked on era. We started this podcast in April of 2015 yeah we missed our five-year anniversary i guess there was just something else going on that distracted me at that point uh but anyway we're gonna finish this out this is a, a great part of our listener poll we're gonna have more of that coming up over the weekend you can vote in that we're taking the top four out of the 16 and even that was curated out of about a hundred submissions maybe even more than that uh, for podcast topic ideas so it's always Austin awesome interact with you guys to get these ideas and we've gotten a lot of great feedback uh, on this topic in the east so let's start here in the west why don't we start at the end of the alphabet with the utah jazz this time danny four minutes on the clock give me your best decision of the last five years for the utah jazz for me this was
2: one of the easier decisions on the board um i i grouped i grouped them together because i think dennis lindsey and their front office it did it together and that was trading the number 24 pick and trey lyles to move up to number 13 to get donovan Mitchell. Mitchell. Mitchell a player of Mitchell's eventual caliber not usually available at 13 the cost of moving up from 24 to 13 being Trey Lyles is a smaller cost than usual to do that so that was a transformational move for the Jazz and they didn't have a lot of other transformational moves a lot of things that they did well but to me that was the one that stood out
1: yeah where would they be right now if they hadn't made that move Gordon Hayward would leave just a few days after Mitchell was selected they had had that team that got into the second round but got swept by the Warriors in 2017, it looked like they were totally screwed once they lost Hayward. I know they actually really have had about the same level of team these last couple of years.
2: A couple other ones I want to mention. Uh, going all the way back to 2015, it was Joe Engel's second contract with the Jazz, not his first, but they got him for two, for two years and $5 million, which is incredible when you think about it now. And you know, finding, develop, cultivating Ingles, cultivating Royce O'Neal, those were other things that stood out to me as being really positive things. You know, signing Rudy Gobert to his big extension, we already knew where that was going, so that wasn't yeah.
1: as great. And well, they had already hired good to get him for less than the max.
2: Sure, least. and they had already hired Quinn Snyder, which otherwise would have been high on the list.
1: Uh, Another one you can mention Joe Johnson two years 22 million the second year of that became dead money but he like won them playoff games in the first year of that so that was Mm -hmm. pretty good and uh, trading Rodney Hood for Jay Crowder that was an important move for them that I thought worked out pretty well in 2018 not a ton of really bad decisions for this team are there.
2: Just one pretty big one, and it involves—I love that the Jazz, for me, their best and worst moves involve the same player who wasn't that consequential, and that's choosing Trey Lyles over over Devin Booker. I mean, that— they they wouldn't have used Trey Lyles then to, to move up to get Donovan Mitchell but Devin Booker what was the was the next pick so it's not even like oh he was on the board they didn't do that he was he was the next selection and while you and I have been very critical at other stages of Devin Booker's career having another creator this whole time who also would have I think I would have been fascinated to see what Booker would have done in Quinn Snyder's offense that would have been huge for them
1: yeah there was definitely a thought that they needed a stretch four at that time and they had just taken Dante Exeter the previous year and they were committed to him remember that exome didn't tear his acl uh, until after that had been made so i think maybe there's a thought hey we already have exome and we're we're not going to take booker and then the other pick that i could go towards is uh dante exome's three-year 33 million dollar contract as a restricted free agent that they eventually had to get off of and perhaps perhaps the Mike Conley trade will end up uh on this list at, it might at some point but too yeah. early to say yet. Yeah.
2: too early to say another one from a kind of from a process standpoint they trade they gave up the 42 pick to move up from 30 to 28 to take Tony Bradley those two picks ended up being Josh Hart and and Thomas Bryant both of whom I like better than Tony Bradley so that didn't that didn't work out super well for the Jazz and Josh Hart another player who they passed on who would have been very good for them but um you know it's not catastrophic or anything like that and then you know Grayson Allen at 21 I think was wasn't the greatest pick we'll see if things work out he's had some injury issues but I thought you know they could have maybe gone for somebody either at a position of more value or somebody with more potential to be like a real NBA player
1: yeah they kind of tripped up a little bit when they they made that pick so let's uh, move on to the next team on our list going in reverse alphabetical order here the San Antonio Spurs their best decision to you Of the last five years,
2: there are a lot of thing, a lot of choices they made that I would have around the same tier of good decision. None of which are awe inspiring or anything like that. But for me, the top two were both in the summer of twenty fifteen the first year of the dunked on era and while the Lamarcus Aldridge you know the Lamarcus Aldridge signing was higher profile to me that the work on that had already been done and so the one that I picked was negotiating Danny Green it sounds like he took less than he would have somewhere else to a four-year 45 million dollar contract in 2015 we all knew the cap was going to spike and that Danny Green was a valuable part of the Spurs success for for years going into that including you know the barrage of threes that he had in one game of the 2013 finals and everything else and so to get a player at a position of value who who had already proven himself within their system for 10 million a year when that became below starter money immediately was was to me a really impressive piece of negotiating
1: yeah it was i mean you compare what say damari carroll got that same offseason i thought that green was the superior player carroll got 15 million a year and green only got 10 it did seem like he took a, a little bit less there a, a few other ones i i would probably go with that as well a few other ones we can mention though drafting into jante murray number 29 overall in a week draft in 2016 they got Derek white towards the end of the first round. 29 as well the following year signing rudy gay uh, yes. for the mid-level that worked out pretty well uh and that aldridge signing was in there also they also got dwayne dedman for the room exception he gave them some quality minutes in the uh, front court being
2: being a good enough organization to get david west for the minimum yep. that was that was an important yep. one uh finding davis bertans you know maybe he'd Obviously played
1: in Europe, but like to yeah, to, to, but to they make had him... the draft rights to him. Yes, uh, actually from but I from believe from the they... trade. But to bring him over, yeah, I don't think anyone was like, oh man, I'm just wait till Bertans gets over here.
2: Right, uh one that I wanted to ask you about that I didn't put in either category because I'm just not sure on it yet is giving DeJounte Murray $64 million over four years.
1: Yeah, that seems kind of neither that good or that bad right now to deserve mention either way. Um, so one that really stuck out to me, and the reporting has indicated that it's only been recently that this person has taken on a bigger role in the front office, but it does seem like when they brought in Brian Wright, and there's when he was promoted to general manager a couple of years later. There's talk that he had been already RC Buford had already been moving into more of a business side role. Doesn't really look like that worked out because I think you have a very clear inflection point between 2015 and then 2016 when I think is around when he arrived. And I again I don't know exactly how much he had to do with some of the decisions, especially early on in his tenure. But I thought really from 2016 on they just haven't been nearly as smart as they were previously and as we'll get to some of the moves they made from the summer of 2016 on did not work out
2: yeah and it's not like they were perfect in in 15 that was those remember the year that they drafted nikola Militinov, 26th overall he has never played in the nba and um but the the bigger scale
1: things um yeah, and by the way in fairness part of the reason they did that is because they needed someone who wasn't going to come over because they were trying to squeeze every ounce of caps basically to get, get to get him. marcus
2: yeah that's very true um and,
1: but the the Kawhi trade we can we probably can't. Oh,
2: that's number that's number that, one yeah. by a mile and a half. And the the Kawhi trade, Kawhi and Danny Green for DeMar DeRozan, Jakob Purtle, and a 2019 first round pick. And this this one isn't so much about the decision to trade Kawhi because if he wanted to go, then he was just going to leave. Like you know, I don't we don't know for sure exactly how it worked in terms of if they offered the full max. I believe the general reporting is that they kind of did, kind of didn't.
1: Um, but you're talking about the designated designated, to Kawhi I'm sure if he'd said he wanted to stay
2: they would have done that's exactly what it's like so whether it was formally offered or not it it presumably would have been on the table had he been interested but it was the decision once they decided that trading Kawhi was the best path the return they got was among the weakest for a star player even one who was one year away from free agency who ended up leaving that team in free agency because DeMar DeRozan yeah. Negative value contract for both of us, um, and just a terrible fit with that Spurs team. Yucca Pertl, totally fine player, but was, you know, not that far away from restricted free agency and isn't, you know, didn't have star potential, more of a solid, solid player, ideally a solid starter, and then that we knew that first round pick wasn't going to be very good because the Raptors were going to be very good and shock of shock, so they won the NBA championship with Kawhi. And remember, they also included Danny Green in that trade. So Toronto got two starters, and one of which was a superstar and the best player finals. MVP for a return that won't move the needle much for San Antonio and was indicated that they weren't interested in rebuilding.
1: Yeah, I, th- that too was me. I mean, they didn't even engage the Lakers at all. Clearly, getting those young Lakers players for Kawhi would have been much better if they could have done that. They didn't, it seemed like, try to engage the Clippers at all either.
2: I mean, even some collection of those Lakers players. I mean, any so Ingram, Ingram is going to be better than any of the things that the, the Spurs got in this deal you distinct chance Lonzo Ball is too
1: yeah and to not get Ananobi or Siakam in that deal yeah great point for Kawhi I mean they just did not prioritize the the right things they got DeRozan and yeah you know great you made the playoffs one year uh congratulations and and they didn't even you know giving up Danny Green they didn't even really do a great job of that I mean if they hadn't prioritized getting back DeRozan they wouldn't have needed to put in more salary with Kawhi in the form of Danny Green true
2: very good point a couple other ones briefly to mention uh i have to say they signed they chose the sign joffrey laverne at one point so that's one of the worst moves that they made and um <laughs> it, they it, i would classify the spurs more a victim of circumstance in this case but dumping davis for in, in for what looked like it was going to be marcus morris and then having to rebound to that by getting the aforementioned trey lyles was was really harsh i mean Bertans yeah. would have been a would have been a huge part of the spurs this year
1: and, but, and, but again, just terrible priority, right? Like, why would you dump someone like Bertans to get Marcus Morris when, you know, he's what, 29 years old? I mean, where are you going? What are you doing by signing
2: Marcus? Yeah, and Morris, Morris would have been a strange fit with this Spurs team anyway. I mean, maybe they could have, at a reasonable price, they could have moved him for something else, but that's not really something they usually do.
1: Um, Also, signing Pau Gasol in the summer of 2015, or 2016, to a $15 million a year contract, uh, two years with the second year of player option. Then they got him to opt out, in theory, because they were maybe going to try to take a run at Chris Paul, and then they got totally outmaneuvered on that by the Rockets. And then they had to give Gasol a much longer contract. They also extended LaMarcus Aldridge, which really ended up not making a ton of sense either uh, uh, for where they ended up being. So just uh, not having a plan once uh, everything and, you know, to sign Gasol at that point. It, I mean, it's not like they had all these other people to sign and Tim Duncan had just retired. But the idea that Paul Gasol was going to be able to play against Golden State, who's which was the team they had to get past, just didn't make any sense.
2: Agreed. Should okay, we take quick break should here, we here yeah.
1: and, uh, and then we'll get to we'll get to Sakura. This is gonna be a good one to uh, to do after the break. Man, it is crazy to think that I've been working with Helix Sleep since. here on the program. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com. Don't forget that cap space code to let them know you came from us. Sacramento Kings, best decision that they have made in the last five years to you?
2: They only, they had two that I thought were in serious contention for the top spot. Uh, what I chose, well, I mean, my number two was when they traded down from the eighth overall pick to get number 13, number 28, and Bogdan Bogdanovich. That was, they ended up kind of reading the reading the room correctly in terms of that process. Now, using the 13 pick will come up again later, but that, that move worked out really well. And then what I chose as number one was drafting De'Aaron Fox. picked him fifth overall they could have chosen other people they the kings did benefit from other teams passing on fox phoenix but the uh but they made the right decision to pick him
1: yeah i agree drafting fox at number five uh, was that to me signing Rashawn holmes for the room exception for two years worked out pretty well but those are really the only three you could come up with that were particularly good uh the worst decision was the trade that when you and i did an episode in the summer of 2015 of the worst trade in the last five years. This trade, even though it had just been done, won it. That is the trade with Sam Hanky where they gave up pick swap and then what was likely gonna be an unprotected first to offload contracts so they could sign Ray John Rondo, Marco Bellinelli, and Costa Kufos. And not even all those guys, just I think they saved. I think it to was Rondo and Bellinelli. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh I can't believe that we forgot that as one of the best moves for Philly when we talked about Philly, because it was just right at the start of this. But that to me is the the clear uh the clear. I I mean that was from the like vlade Divots Ingenue Days without any kind of a cat person in the the front office well that he and was gonna listen to. It,
2: so I didn't pick that as a number one, but I'll walk through some of the things that happened there. Uh so the the pick swap that was ended up being moving from number from they gave up number three and got number five. That number three pick ended up becoming Jason Tatum. <laughs> Like that, and, and the, the, like that word, that worked out pretty damn well for Boston who ended up moving down. You know, that was the, the full straight, which we've talked about. length.
1: Yeah. And they got lucky that the one year that they had any success in the last 15 years, and they ended up giving up number 14 to Boston, but they got lucky there. I mean, the process on that was terrible. It was totally it, unprotected.
2: Yeah, it was, to, it was totally unprotected. And that was, that was huge. So my, my number one choice and I think you'll be a little bit mad that I, I picked this, was you could argue it at really any point in this, but I would argue starting even in 2015, keeping Vade devots as their general manager. Because they, so I, what I thought you were going to choose as number one was Bagley over Luka. And there were other general managers that made the same choice not to take Luka Doncic because he went he went third overall and a team traded out of that pick. But that, my hope is that a different that if they had re, if they had replaced Vlade with a let's call it competent general manager, that that general manager would have made the right decision. And uh, but so and because so many of the other mistakes that Sacramento made, and we should go through some of the laundry list, uh, would those were avoidable? Just like the July twenty fifteen trade, there were specific foibles of this front office that a uh, you know that that made them that made it happen.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess it does. It does have to ultimately be Luca over Beckley. Pretty amazing that the trade that we thought was the worst trade in five years isn't even the worst move that this franchise has made. Um, well, I want to yeah, rattle be- off. Be- I want
2: Begley to rattle off some, some of the other ones. Um, oh, please! In the summer, in the summer of twenty seventeen. You and I were some of the voices that were just outright roasting this, the Kings because they were winning some some press conferences because they signed George Hill. Functionally, let's call it a two-year $40 million deal. There was a third year that was lightly guaranteed. Zach Randolph, two years, $24 million. And then they gave Vince Carter eight mil for one year, which isn't the worst thing in the world. That ended up not really doing anything for them. Gave Harrison Barnes four years, $85 million once they traded for him. And then basically kind of that, that structuring of everything else. Willie Cauley-Stein, 6th overall. Papa Giannis, 13th overall. Buddy Healed 4 years, $86 million. Overpaying Trevor Riza, Corey Joseph. The nonsense with Dwayne Dedman. And then one that we're going to have to see is swapping out Dave Yeager for Luke Walton. It, first year returns didn't look so good. And then there's another one, which is it's... Fascinating, because in a normal circumstance, I think you could say they made the right decision. And that was when they moved down from uh, with with Portland. They moved down from number ten for fifteen and twenty. Those became Justin Jackson, Harry Giles. But that tenth pick in, um, I think that was, was that sixteen. Yeah, 17%. 17. Donovan Mitchell and Bam Adebayo were on the board there. And so the the normal, like if you want to go to the old, like the Jerry Johnson one or Kevin Pelton's pick value table, those things don't apply if there are special players available at that point. And if they had read the draft correctly, they could have gotten a, a huge player for them at, at that pick at 10.
1: Okay, let's uh, do the Portland Trailblazers here. Best decision for the Blazers.
2: They traded Mason Plumlee and a second round pick to Denver for Yusuf Nurkic and the 20th pick. Nurkic was better than Plumlee, he had more time left on his rookie-scale contract than Plumlee, and they got a superior pick. Nurkic had worn out his welcome. There was a, a some friction with Jokic, who was clearly the future, and that assessment was correct. But from Portland's perspective, what an absolute coup. To get a their center of the future, their center of the present, were he healthy, and get a superior pick out of it. That would, you know, I think Nurkic was an was an, a massive part of their success the last couple of years when he's been healthy.
1: Yep, that's the one to me. Uh, a few others that showed up. They got Mo Harkless and Shaz Napier for nothing yes. from the Magic in separate transactions. Alfru Kaminu, starting small forward, four years, thirty million. I, I thought Neil O'Shea did a great job being on the forefront in that twenty fifteen free. Agency market to get young players understanding that the cap was going to rise and that the, those return to value contracts they also signed ed davis at the same time he was a big part of what they're trying to do uh they traded alan crab for andrew nicholson and got yep. off uh, his his miserable contract uh the signing of seth curry in the summer of 2018 worked out pretty well
2: yeah i mean there are a lot but, of kind of good bench decisions overall you know like yeah. going through a lot of that
1: yeah, but but I think you know, just getting a starter for a player that you didn't want to pay, and picking up a first-round pick for the privilege. Oh, uh, two other that, ones. That like two it.
2: other ones I want to mention. They got a first-round pick for taking on Anderson Verjao, which, by current standards, from what I recall, that wasn't it wasn't as much long-term money. Like they got they did did it well there, and also they got Rodney Hood for Wade Baldwin, Nick Stauskas, and two second-round picks. Even though Hood, you know, this this is the unfortunate injury this year, kind of, kind of sour things. He was an important part of their success last year. So I thought that was a nice move.
1: Worst decision is the Evan Turner signing. Full stop. Four years, seventy two or seventy million. Four years, 70 it, million.
2: It's a, it's a incredible. So I I just grouped the summer of twenty sixteen together because it was such a powerhouse that it felt like breaking it up. You know, it's like a great band where if you you take away some of the individual pieces, like you have you have Turner as the yeah. lead vocalist, four years, seventy million. You have Alan Crab. 4 years 75 million on lead guitar and then you have Myers Leonard 4 years 41 million on drums and yeah they're all they're all they're all great ba- examples of bad signings but when you put them together even though Paul Allen was willing to pay that money it it just it really hamstrung the franchise and they had Damian Lillard a a spectacular performer and CJ next to him already and that's the other part that makes this so incredible is they signed Evan Turner and Alan Crabb to almost you know like 15-20 million dollars a year knowing that at least one of them wasn't going to start
1: yeah that was pretty incredible and that neither of them was even like a great wing defender both of them had pretty big weaknesses you know neither of them was like a Three and D guy. And
2: well, and they already had Harkless and money. Alfred Camino in the roster too.
1: Yeah, and uh, don't forget either that uh, Festus Ezili had some uh, some great back backup vocal moments uh, for them. Two years, fourteen million. That's second right. Year not guaranteed. That's over.
2: Yeah, and uh, a couple other ones to mention. Just talked in the Sacramento section about uh, Sacramento moving down from the number ten pick. Portland is the team that moved up. They chose Zach Collins over Donovan Mitchell and Bam Adebayo. They also drafted Caleb Swanigan twenty six, which was one of the clearest examples of a team not understanding where the league was going. So Caleb Swanigan just didn't make sense in the NBA, and they did that uh, dumping Noah Vonley, I just thought they they kind of gave up on it. they kind of gave up on him. After, after you know and it was comp- when they when they the Batum trade when they when they got Vonley originally I mean I
1: don't know like it's not any good who cares what you gave up on or not eh.
2: And then, and then we'll see if the giving Lillard a full Supermax ends up being a problem. Is I mean, so it, it's later in his career. He's a great player right now, but remember, it doesn't kick in for a while. I put it as just like a, a, a one dimension for later, but it's not near the caliber of the other ones right now.
1: Um, let's also not forget CJ McCollum's totally unnecessary second extension that doesn't even kick in until uh, after the 21 offseason. Okay, four minutes on the clock for the Phoenix Suns.
2: Is is that enough time to clean the goats out of the office? <laughs> I mean, best decision here. There are only a couple of really strong candidates. I, I went with Devin Booker, 13th overall pick currently the best player on the team. Another couple of nominees getting Kelly Oubre and Austin Rivers for Trevor Riza, a contract that I thought was a mistake. The TJ Warren extension is looking very good, even though it's not looking very good for them. Um, and they got, even though they ended up dumping him, they got Melton out of that salary dump trade. They traded Chris and Knight for, um, for Ryan Anderson and Melton. I thought that worked out well for the Suns.
1: Yeah. And they also uh, got traded for Aaron Baines just to take him in, in, into space, uh, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, clearly drafting Devin Booker at uh, number 13 overall in 2015 that has to be it there's nothing else that's even close um let me just run through these uh, in order here uh not necessarily chronological order we'll, we'll jump around here C- keep it interesting they let Ryan McDonough run their 2018 offseason and then fired him right as the season started. Drafting DeAndre Ayton over Luka Doncic. They re-signed Brandon Knight for five years and 70 million. They traded Eric Bledsoe for basically what became the number 30 overall pick. They could have maybe tried to take on some more of the Bucks' bad money and gotten some more compensation. They didn't do that. They hired Igor Kokoschkov and then fired him after a year. And f- feel free to break in on any of these if you want sure. to here, Danny.
2: No, we have uh, a lot to get through.
1: Yes, yes. Uh, they. They then uh fired him after years i said and then uh before that they had hired earl watson basically as an interim after firing jeff hornisack and then they kept him around over an entire offseason and then fired him three games into the year uh they signed tyson chandler to a huge contract in the summer of 2015 four
2: years 52 million
1: that's right uh they gave up a bunch of treasure to move up from 13 and 28 and also traded bogdan bogdanovich was the best player in the deal to get marquis chris chris it was considered like an eight player tier there and chris was at the last of that that tier so it kind of made sense at the time but chris of course never worked out dragon bender number four overall in 2016 josh jackson number four overall in 2017 they didn't draft kobe white they instead traded down from six for dario sharich and cam johnson although johnson might be okay sharich doesn't look like he's working out they traded pj tucker for two late seconds from toronto
2: they also gave up on marcus morris and reggie bullock in that trade with detroit though morris had been dealing with some stuff off the court of memory serves uh
1: they gave up a good second rounder to trade for two months of alfred payton and then uh the josh jackson trade which we can talk about more in the memphis section but the what they did to get off of him and giving up melton as well and giving up what will probably be two second round pick.
2: yeah um they also Paid, they gave Frank Kaminsky the... uh, That was the room exception, right? Yes, Um, in 2019. Which was was way too much money for him. They they dumped tj warren remember they saw him as a negative value contract um so that that's pretty crazy but yeah for me gave
1: up the number 32 overall pick to get off of him
2: to get off of him to clear money for ricky rubio and some of their other offseason machinations so yeah that was but my number one was eight and over Luca. i mean that's because that's a franchise changing decision
1: yeah i think so i mean that's because that's one where it was just they had full control of everything and the pick was obvious at the time everyone was saying it oh not everyone but I was, <laughs> and I think you were too. So I most definitely um, was. Just not understanding where the center position is going these days.
2: So let's jump to Oklahoma City. Uh, there, it, it is pretty remarkable for a team that has been run by the same person. That a lot of their decisions actually came in pretty quick succession, pretty recently. But for me, the best thing they've done is the Westbrook trade over these five years. Chris Paul, two firsts. Wait, and... that's
1: be- that's better than the Paul George trade.
2: I think so because the 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 Westbrook trade was hard. Harder, you know, like I think that it was the Paul George trade was well negotiated, but I don't think the decision yeah. to trade him was as so, challenging. To be clear,
1: this is the trading away Paul George.
2: Yes. Yes, I, I think that- I mean,
1: getting Paul George also was, I think, was oh actually yeah. a pretty good trade.
2: Absolutely, I have that in I have that in there as well. And, um, but but for me, because remember, Chris Paul, to me, like, for especially for most of the year, was better than Russell Westbrook. And they got two firsts and two swaps for him. And Chris Paul was also definitely better for the Thunder than Russell Westbrook and has a more favorable contract.
1: Like, yeah, I would go with George just because- The haul the is George ridiculous. George trade is probably the biggest haul that we've ever seen for a superstar. And Paul George is definitely not the best superstar at Ever get traded and they just did a really good job of negotiating that obviously it was the Kawhi Paul George package deal for the Clippers but they got basically every single thing that they <laughs> yeah. could have gotten
2: my, my record of trade. it is Shea Gallinari four firsts and two swaps that might be slightly off but I thought that's when I when I tried to track it out that's what I got
1: yeah I mean they got other than 2020 everything that the Clippers could send from their own draft picks and then they also got that Miami pick right
2: a couple other really good ones to mention especially because Kevin Durant ended up leaving, uh, getting Ola the number 11 pick in Arison Ilyusova for Serge Ibaka, who was on an expiring contract. Great piece of arbitrage from them. Um, we talked about this in the Bulls section, but Payne, Joffrey Laverne, and Anthony Morrow for Taj Gibson, Doug McDermott, and his second round pick. The Paul George trade, which was Oladipo and Sabonis for George. The Oladipo extension worked out, like theoretically, if they had kept him and he would progressed, that that looked up pretty good. But getting yeah, Paul that George...
1: Was, that was in the four years, 84 million range yeah. for Oladipo, by the um,
2: way. Getting Paul George to re-sign, which opened the door for getting so much for him in a trade uh and then yeah i had a couple others on the margin but those are all like really impressive moves
1: yeah one more that i'd say too is uh saving cap space in the summer of 2016 to renegotiate and extend russell westbrook
2: yeah i mean if they if kevin Durant had saved they wouldn't have been able to do that
1: but sure right but but rather than just uh, i mean that because westbrook was going to expire in the summer of 2017 everyone was like oh westbrook's going to leave now too and no that actually like brought them some stability to where they could then try to build up again and they didn't quite end up being contenders but they're still in a much better place for having done that now they had that mvp season from westbrook they had a couple of playoff appearances paul george was willing to get uh to resign there because of that and yeah i mean and that was just you know another couple of years for westbrook that wasn't the designated player veteran extension that he signed so Uh, worst decision for the OKC Thunder, I'm going to go with matching a max offer to Ennis Cantor in the summer of 2015.
2: Yeah, I went with I went with the same thing because I mean remember that it was it kind of seemed like a troll offer sheet from Portland at the time, but they didn't have to match. <laughs> you know, Edis, Edis Cantor wasn't yeah. at, wasn't at that Four level. Four
1: years, seventy million. Even you know, all right, fine. It was the twenty fifteen max, but I mean, it, and it's outside the scope of here, but trading the amount of capital that they did to get Waiters and Cantor to begin yeah. with. Well, and and, then, and
2: remember they already had Stephen Adams. Like this wasn't yeah. it was it wasn't a circumstance. Where you know there's some parallels to like the Gorgie Jang contract and Yan Me and other things where it was th- the it wasn't you you had a misidentified it and oh, they're your center of the future and you got somebody who' was better. No, they already had their center of the future. It was already Stephen Adams. Stephen Adams was starting long before this
1: a, a couple worth talking about sure go ahead um trading for carmelo anthony
2: yep canner mcdermott second
1: and then having to dump him and give up a first rounder as well for the privilege although that may turn into a second instead uh in 2022 uh and take back schroeder um drafting campaign number 14 overall in 2015
2: terrence ferguson over og and anobi we'll one pick after another
1: um Two, two,
2: two, two, two contracts that really didn't work out for them. Kyle Singler, four years, oh. $19 million, Where I mean, that one I didn't criticize at the time. It's just it, he fell apart. And then Andre Robertson, three years, $30
1: million. Yeah. I mean, that, that was one that wasn't bad at the time. Again,
2: again right the time. yeah, I would say both of those were more circumstances. And then and the one I think that was a little bit more flawed with the process. As much as Steven Adams has been important, giving a non-elite center $100 million over four years, it exacerbated some of the other problems. And I don't know that that sort of an offer would have necessarily been in the market or that he was so valuable that letting him go would have been a mistake
1: another one remember this is one of your favorites over the years danny ronnie price
2: oh my god i'd forgotten about that <laughs> oh my god they gave him
1: two two guaranteed years and then he wasn't even on the team uh by the, the start of the season yeah uh and then that ended up actually like really hurting them just in terms of what their tax payments ended up being but yeah that ronnie price did not uh, make a lot of sense yeah new orleans
2: Best decision: hiring David Griffin. Not not because that's why they won the lottery or anything like that, but because every basically every other good thing that New Orleans has done during these five years, most a vast majority of them came after they hired David Griffin, and that happened like a year ago.
1: Yeah, I thought the Cousins trade was good for them at yes, the
2: time. I have that, and the Drew extension I think was a reasonable one in 2017. Yeah, or
1: new new contract if that was in so, this yeah new contract
2: You're yeah, right, that was a new contract. Um, but the other one, yeah. the one that I had as my honorable mention, and this, I, the reason I didn't give this number one is partially because part of the reason it worked out wasn't their intention was holding off on trading Anthony Davis because doing holding off, A, meant that they had a better person negotiating that trade, but also the Lakers ended up getting the fourth pick. And so that made it a better package. And remember, if they had done the Anthony Davis trade, even if the Lakers gave up that first rounder, it wouldn't have been nearly as good because the Lakers would have had Anthony Davis. So they got a significantly better package by waiting. Remember, for for the terms on that, the number um, that was... Anthony Davis for Ingram Ball Hart, the fourth overall pick, two firsts and a swap, as I tried to draw it out. Um, another nominee, another thing worth mentioning, the draft night trade of that number four pick, that was the fourth pick in Solomon Hill for 8 35 and that sort of first from Cleveland, which is probably gonna be two damn good seconds.
1: Yeah, that was a good one, uh to be sure. Um uh, I had that up there, the AD trade in that trade. Um taking on Derek Favor's contract for nothing. Yeah. Uh I, I think it turned out uh, okay. Um a couple of things that Demps I thought did reasonably well they didn't offer DeMarcus Cousins a huge contract in the summer of 2018 after he tore his Achilles tore
2: Tore his ACL that the Achilles was was, am I wrong oh okay I forgot (laughs) I I crossed that the ACL
1: was uh, summer of 2019 yeah yeah no the the Achilles he tore in in 2018
2: yeah and I would say I would say the Rondo contract worked out well for them one giving him one year and then basically functionally swapping him for Julius Randle I think that worked out well for them too
1: uh trading for Nikola Miritich that was pretty good mm-hmm. I, I think they gave up a first um, but I think that was reasonable yeah that ended up being Chandler Hutchison so that, that and they were really good that the rest of that year once they got Miritich um,
2: and, and remember they got him right after Cousins went down because then they needed somebody they it wouldn't have it wouldn't have gone nearly as well if they hadn't if they hadn't gotten Miritich
1: so worst decision you'd probably have to say retaining Dell Demps for way too long like letting him run the entirety of the AD era I, I think when it was clear that it wasn't working out in like the 15 16 season and that they didn't have much of a path forward. it i think they should have moved on from him at that point agreed
2: a, a couple uh, others and, worth mentioning yeah. uh the omer ashek contract five years 60 million dollars solomon hill four years dollars. Yeah. last year
1: that was non-guaranteed to yes be fair
2: alexei aginsa four years 20 million
1: dollars <laughs> oh yeah that's right i forgot about that one um, holy shit
2: healed sixth overall that i mean they ended up including him in the yeah. cousins trade but jamal murray they and a few took, others
1: yeah yeah took him over jamal murray sorry I, I realized you were about to say that yeah um solomon hill four years 48 million summer 2016 mm-hmm. uh each one was a, a decent enough contract in the summer of 2016 though and then i think this is one we'll see on this one but i think taking jackson hayes a traditional center who can't shoot to play next to zion number eight overall in 2019 i i I don't think that's going to work out that well just due to the fit. Not even necessarily that the player is going to be a bad player. But uh, okay, let's move on here.
2: Minnesota, uh, for me, their best move was acquiring Jimmy Butler. They gave up Zach Levine, Chris Dunn, and the number seven pick for Butler in number 16. They didn't use the 16th pick well, but still got it. Um, others worth mentioning that the Kobe, what we call the Kobe White trade, 11 and Dario Sharks for number six, but they ended up taking Jared Culver. Sorry, I shouldn't have called it the Kobe White trade because that's what we thought was going to happen. Um, I would say the, 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 the trade they made at the deadline this year, Covington and Jordan Bell for Beasley, Wancho in a first, I think that's going to work out pretty well for them. They got Tyus Jones back, the pick that became Tyus Jones for a bunch of seconds. Thought that worked out well. Bielitsa in signing in 2015. And then this last offseason, they got Shabazz Napier and Travion Graham for nothing and got their salaries paid. That was pretty impressive.
1: A couple other ones. They avoided giving a player option to Carl Anthony Towns on his extension. Yep and traded in 2015 the 31st and 36th pick, which was Jetty Osman and Rakeem Christmas for Tyus Jones, who's the 24th pick. They also avoided extending Shabazz Muhammad and they signed Derek Rose off the scrap heap and then re-signed him to a, a small deal. He had pretty decent production there. But those sadly pale in comparison to the worst decision made by the Wolves.
2: I cannot believe for myself when I was doing this that making Thibodeau functionally Coach GM was not their worst decision, but nothing tops the Wiggins extension. Like, the Wiggins extension is just so otherworldly as a bad decision because they did it unnecessarily and ahead of time and because i separated out because my feeling is that glenn taylor is the reason that extension happened not tips
1: yeah you, you might be right about that and but the the no list uh, of their greatest hits would be complete uh, without these so is why i went with the wiggins extension also but you've got uh gorji jang four years 64 million dollars when you already have carl anthony towns uh you have drafting justin Patton number 16 in 2017 when you already have carl anthony towns you have cole aldrich three years 21 million <laughs> last year only 2 million guaranteed when you already have carl anthony towns you have re-signing kevin garnett for two years 16 million basically ending up paying him not to play in 16 17 when you already have carl anthony towns anything else
2: chris dunn fifth overall <laughs> Jarrett culver sixth Ooh. overall and and uh, keeping Ryan Saunders, who and I, I, you, I know you and Hollinger did a thing on coach rankings, and you know he was liked by the players, but I, I think he's one of the weakest coaches in the league, and I'm yeah, sure some... there wasn't
1: a real process there. Yeah, clearly. and and
2: another important one, I actually had this as I didn't really rank beyond number one and maybe number two, but my number three was holding Jimmy Butler for too long. I thought that that they, you know, if he made a trade demand before the end of the the end of that, like before the off season, at that point, remember how much how much teams were getting for star players then. I think Minnesota could have gotten more for him if they had been able to include him in that offseason bonanza as opposed to holding him and having the shit hit the fans so spectacularly.
1: Yeah, that Chris Dunn one—that was that was rough with Jamal Murray on the board.
2: Yeah, and no, even Buddy Heald. Like, I mean, I, I like Chris Dunn, but Buddy Heald would have been a better choice.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that was one of those ones. We, I just—it seemed pretty obvious that he uh, he wasn't going to be good. Um, okay, let's move on here to the Memphis Grizzlies. A lot of these teams just a, a lot of diversity. Uh, in their move,
2: yes. Uh, so I I put the best decision for the Grizz as the Andre Iguodala trade. They got a 2024 Warriors first and cash for taking on Iguodala, who was a positive value contract. And, you know, he ended up not helping them on the court because he didn't play, but that they ended up, you know, they, I think they could have done something different with him in a trade that it would have liked more, but basically to get something for nothing. The other one that I had a serious contender for just because I still, it still boggles my mind that it happened was that they got a first round pick for Jeff Green in 2016 from the Clippers. And yeah. I mean that's it was inconceivable at the time. I remember going completely insane on Dunked On at the time. Um I'll let you say a couple and then I have I have more than a few more.
1: Yeah, let's see. Um I thought this was a difficult decision that needed to be made, but allowing Zach Randolph and Tony Allen to leave in the yes. summer of twenty seventeen, uh the drafting of Dylan Brooks and Brandon Clark, both pretty good.
2: Yep, and they gave up a future second for Dylan Brooks that I don't think was a particularly strong one.
1: Uh they traded for josh jackson taking on his contract in the summer of 2019 flipped kyle corver for him to save the sun some money and they also traded javon carter for d'anthony melton and they got what will probably be two seconds out of the sun
2: yeah worked out really well um jaron and jaw two and four four and two uh the dylan brooks extension three years 45 million i think that's going to work out reasonably well for them no it's not it's like 36 oh is it yeah my i'll sure look it up that was one of the only ones i wrote down the terms for almost everything and i'm like oh it was so recent i remember it um
1: <laughs> um the, oh and the Connolly trade yeah 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 that was good um the gasol trade they maybe could have gotten a little more for him yeah, i three, thought 335 so on there for me. 335 yeah. was books oh yeah 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 um any other what, what was your ultimate best one
2: the iguodala trade
1: acquiring iguodala.
2: acquiring a sorry
1: Yes, because there was another Equital trade, which we may get to. Maybe. In these worst decisions, what is your worst decision for them? I thought there was a very clear one here.
2: I don't usually drop F-bombs on the show, but Max or nothing, motherfuckers. I mean, <laughs> Chandler Parsons. Holy
0: crap.
1: Yeah, just a, obviously a failure in terms of what his medical situation was. They did, like so many teams, they had a Conley with a small cap ball. They felt like it was use it or lose it space. He was the best available player. And- If he had been healthy, I wouldn't have panned that decision too much. But, I mean, to have him basically never play a healthy game.
2: Well, and remember that while Mark Cuban personally loved Chandler Parsons, they weren't willing to do it, and I think they knew why.
1: Yeah, and then obviously the number... uh, Number two, clearly, is trading a first-round pick with only light protections that went out as far as 2021 for Jeff Green in 2015. Green ended up actively hurting them in their series against the Warriors that year.
2: Yeah, so Jeff Green gets on, on both sides of this, the Kyle Anderson contract, which the Spurs, you know, anytime a team chooses not to match, it's a good, a good little warning sign. They also made one of the strangest trades of the 2018-19 season when they sent Jermichael Green and Garrett Temple to the Clippers for Avery Bradley. Bradley, who had been awful that season? Bradley was better for the Grizzlies than he was for the Clippers, but Jermichael Green and Garrett Temple were way better. And then uh, yeah. the a couple other ones: Courtney Lee for two second round picks and PJ Harrison. Wayne Ball, Wade Baldwin, seventeen.
1: Uh, I don't know. Courtney Courtney Lee was about to be a free a free
2: I, agent. I I, I, I I just like Courtney Lee. Any basically, and and then the 2020 deadline deal: Iguodala, Crowder, Solomon Hill for Justice Winslow, Dion Waiters, and Gorgie Jang because they swapped uh, James Johnson.
1: Yeah. And that one could still work out It for could for them. I mean, I, I, like I understand they're thinking a couple other ones, uh, Wade Baldwin, number 17 overall in 2016 was not on the team less than 18 months.
2: Yeah, He got it. He days. got his third year option declined.
1: Yeah. That's and, special. And then in another draft fail, they moved out of the first round to pick up uh, the picks that became Roddy Zagorich and Deonta Davis. And neither of those guys worked out. Zagorich, waited a year they brought him over gave him two guaranteed years and then cut him in training camp the which full, i do appreciate their I, I do appreciate their willingness to at least um cut bait on these picks that they didn't think were gonna be any good and it's not like wade baldwin or Rade zagorich came back to haunt them but using the resources on those guys in the first place not too amazing there uh quick break here and then we'll uh, we'll get to the lakers
0: ah the sweet sound of sports you love from sling
1: Anyone who's seen our YouTube videos knows that I don't wear formal stuff all the time. So when it's time to dress up rather than dress down, I highly recommend Inochino. They were the official outfitter of my wedding. I got my tux from there. All my groomsmen got their sport jackets from there as well. I felt really good about having them be the outfitter of my wedding because... All my groomsmen were gonna get stuff that they could continue to wear that fit them perfectly. Because when you go somewhere else, you're not gonna get something that's made for you. So why not measure yourself in ten minutes or visit a showroom rather than feeling like you're wearing somebody else's suit that they tried and failed to tailor for you? And not only does Indochino have the suits that made them famous, but now they've got everything: blazers, pants, women's wear, outerwear, designed and made for you. Hundreds okay LA Lakers best decision in your mind
2: I went with drafting Kyle Kuzma 27th overall I mean even though I'm not the biggest fan of of Kuzma as a player a lot of lot you know very good for for where he was taken and and can be a part of it I also thought about choosing just firing Byron Scott which was absolutely the right decision at the time
1: so what was your number one Kuzma I went with firing Jim Buss and Mitch Kupchak
2: yeah I would have gone with that except that what happened with that is my worst decision <laughs> so i kind of thought i couldn't <laughs> give that best decision and then give it also worse decision oh
1: i think i think magic was unequivocally way better than cup check and boss oh no yeah i agree with you i, I fully like, he, he was absolutely an upgrade oh
2: my my, my, my uh, okay i'll just get to it now my, my decision was never hiring a real gm so it wasn't it included the bus part of it as well it was just that during this entire time period the Lakers organization never had a real general manager, like somebody who actually could general manage. Um, a couple other good moves they did. I like the Lou Williams contract in 2015. I think that was like $7 million a year, memory serves.
1: Yeah, and then they traded him for a first.
2: Yeah, well. uh, they also got a first-round pick for Jordan Clarkson and move that defied my belief at the time. Zubach at 32. Um, Danny Green's
1: contract, totally reasonable. I mean... Well, well to be clear, they got a first-rounder for Clarkson and Nance
2: and nance that's right. Um sorry, I had forgotten about that. Um the the aforementioned 2017 draft night trade when the Jazz moved up for Tony Bradley, they got Josh Hart and, Th- and Thomas Bryant. That worked out well. Finding Alex Crusoe, taking a flyer on Dwight Howard. Those were were all good
1: moves. Uh I've got a few others here. Tr- getting off of Timofey Mozgov and moving d'angelo Russell to do it and then also picking up Kuzma and brooke Lopez in that deal. You mentioned uh drafting Zubac already, right? I did. Um signing Kentavious Caldwell-Pope as as a potential gateway for LeBron James in the summer of 2017, hiring Frank Vogel as their coach, even though they didn't get their first two choices in the end, but that worked out okay. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, this applies to various years tanking enough to keep their picks.
2: Yeah. I mean that gave them that gave them a talent base and and you right. and I both didn't include uh, it doesn't sound like either the LeBron thing because I don't think they made any decisions involved in that he just said he wanted to go there and in in, in the Anthony Davis trade sure getting Anthony Davis helps but they gave up so much to get him
1: yeah um, the worst decision to me was the Mozgov contract.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a totally reasonable choice. I mean, Mozgov and Dang, the same offseason is spectacular.
1: Um, I'll just run through these real quickly. You, you mentioned Dang. Jordan Clarkson was another bad contract, even though they were able to move him for less than we thought. Uh, trading Avicha Zubac for Mike Mascala. I really not wanted to pick move. that
2: as the worst thing because that, that was the least defensible trade in the last like long time.
1: Uh, drafted Lonzo Ball, number two overall in 2017, right before Jason Tatum. That wasn't too good. And, and De'Aaron Fox. Um,
2: How have you not mentioned the 2018 post-LeBron debacle?
1: Oh, yeah. No, we're, we're getting there. Yeah, Rajon Rondo and Lance Stevenson foremost among those. So they're going to get playmakers around LeBron.
2: And no shooting
1: um they encumbered every single future pick in the ad trade that discreet aspect of that decision was a big problem oh, oh we've run out of time here uh and uh they re-signed all these guys in the summer of 2019 with player options so that they couldn't be traded either they just had no flexibility at all
2: and almost at, all of those the, were negative value contracts anyway
1: yeah yeah uh they waived thomas bryant who didn't deserve to get waived even though I don't, he wouldn't have really changed their fortunes too much uh okay I, LA Clippers, man, this is uh I think what the way to do this is let's just go in like reverse chronological order. We'll get all of the best ones out of the way, and then as soon as we get to the Rock Divers era, then we'll just have the worst one.
2: Yeah, that's one way of doing it. Um <laughs> the other way is this. This is I, I love that for this, the my worst decision was the Blake Griffin extension, but it is almost in certain ways totally negated by the best decision, which was the Blake Griffin trade, because they created a well, huge.
1: Well, but it wasn't a bad decision because they were able it, to trade him. It, like they I mean, they re-signed him.
2: They got bailed out. I mean, I, I stand, I stand by that, that they got lucky that Stan Van Gundy was desperate and was at the right time. I, it, this could have, like, if it had gone, if it had gone sour slightly earlier, then they never get Kawhi.
1: Yeah, maybe so. I mean, I, I, I they did at least avoid giving up a player option or a no, or no, they did give up a player yeah, option. Yeah, they did. Uh, uh, or a or no trade clause on that one. Um. Well, we'll do the best ones first. I mean, it's tough to pick. Probably, I think, their best trade, to me, as I look at it, thought that the the Blake Griffin trade was probably the best move overall. That's the one that really set them up.
2: It did. Blake Griffin, Bryce Johnson, Willie Reed, for Tobias Harris, Boban, Avery Bradley, and a 2018 first. That also, not only getting off of Blake's money, but getting Tobias Harris, that set the table for the Tobias Harris trade, which is my number two. That was... Tobias Harris again with Boby with Boban Boby Toby Show and Mike Scott for Landry Shamit two first round picks Chandler and Muscala who they then flipped in the third best trade which was the Zubac trade Muscala for Zubac and Mike Beasley um they also they got, also oh, the go Chris ahead. Paul trade yes
1: like to actually not be like you know cry foul over houston's obvious tampering there uh and just roll with the punches and to get harrell lou williams and
2: pat beverly and a first round pick yeah
1: uh which and then uh the Danilo Gallinari signing actually worked out pretty well for them they had to offload jamal crawford and that aforementioned houston first rounder to make room under the hard cap for Gallinari, but that actually worked out okay even though he barely played that first year it still seemed like it 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 worked out well
2: Uh, a couple other ones Getting a yeah. first round pick for taking on Mo Harkless, incredible. Oh, um, yeah. Giving up two seconds to move up for Shea Gildress Alexander. I, I think the Hornets thought they were being so smart, and then that ended up being that the Clippers got the way better player. And um, the, Mo- the the Montrezl Herald contract in 2018, totally reasonable money.
1: Yeah, two years, $12 million there. They let DeAndre Jordan leave yes. in free agency, um, basically got him to opt out and then sign the exact same deal in Dallas. Uh, I don't know how active they were in that. They were on the other side of that, Jamichael Green and Garrett Temple being acquired for Avery Bradley, and uh, nice. they did a nice extension for Lou Williams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a L- lot of good shit here. Um, um worst decision well so i already said the blake griffin extension what was yours oh i still because of the way that turned out i can't say that that was that bad um here are some options so tell me which of these you think is the worst i know you already said the blake griffin but sure. uh, of all these which ones do you think is the worst drafted jerome robinson number 13 gave jamal crawford three years 42 million in the summer of 2016 with the last year non-guaranteed they picked bryce johnson 25th uh three years 36 million with a player option for austin rivers full mle for wesley johnson
2: you haven't mentioned my number two yet
1: paul pierce signing in the summer of 2015 uh,
2: and mine is a rock divers one too
1: oh i can't I, i'm probably
2: lance stevenson right and a first round pick for jeff green
1: all oh, right yeah thank you yeah i, I guess i think i because we had already talked about that
2: yeah it, that's it, my number two really i mean that was that was bananas and worth noting other than one all of those w- took place in the very narrow time period where doc where rock divers was the general manager and Dunk Don was a the show there was lots of bad rock divers before that Whew, we're not man. talking about that
1: yeah i mean for those who oh wait can i make a quick
2: interjection matters. just before i forget we also yeah. got the suns were exempted because it happened before dunked on from the Brandon Knight trade which would have been in the short list of the worst ones ever where they gave up oh i think it was the end up being the number nine pick for Brandon Knight before they extended him but that was pre-may 2015
1: houston a lot of good ones here yes for them i'll just roll through all of them uh eric gordon four years 53 million one of the few value contracts in the summer of 2016 the following summer they traded for chris paul they're able to then maintain their mid-level exception and use it on pj tucker for maybe the best contract ever used for the mid-level exception four years 32 million last year non-guaranteed uh they re-signed pat beverly to five million a year in the summer of 2015 renegotiated and extended james harden in the summer of 2016 hired Mike D'Antoni as coach, drafted Mantra's Herald, number 32 overall, and did not extend Terrence Jones and Donatus Matiunas in the fall of 2015, which would have totally screwed up their book.
2: Also, Mori made some nice uh, depth moves on the margins, like Austin Rivers. Um, also, I-, I would include the Covington trade. That was Capella in a first-round pick for Covington yeah. and Bruno Caboclo.
1: Yeah, we'll see how that turns out, but yeah, that's a yeah. candidate.
2: I want to let you go with worse decisions because I think that once you hear mine, you're going to change
1: yours. And so I think it'd be fun to hear yours first. Oh, really? You think you're going to be that convincing, huh? All right. I don't uh, think it's going
2: to take any convincing. I'm just not sure you thought of it.
1: Huh. Okay yeah i mean there's not a ton of these like drafting sam decker number 17 in 2015 didn't work out very well so yeah i'm probably i'm missing yours um all of their various tax avoidance moves in 2018 and 2019 that we don't have that much time to list but you know a lot of that was uh, about opportunity this isn't my pick but
2: the ty lawson trade lawson and a second round pick for a first round pick and filler
1: yeah but they at least convinced him to uh (laughs) non-guarantee the last year of his contract this is incredible so it actually didn't hurt them too um, much. But yeah, obviously they, they went downhill there. They the, ended up firing Kevin McHale.
2: The Carmelo and Michael Carter Williams experiments, the yep.
1: Ryan Anderson yep, contract. Yeah. Um, the, yeah the anderson contract i actually don't think that turned out that bad for them they just they needed to get better that year and he gave them a couple of, of pretty good years
2: i i um, have the westbrook cp trade in here um but i think you're high you're higher on it from houston's perspective
1: than i am um, yeah i mean it's it's too early to say on that i mean i think that'll probably end up being in there yeah so what would what would your pick be oh shit Ah, oh, i don't know i mean another one was you could argue maybe they should have just waited to sign chris paul as a free agent and kept all those guys although they would have had to do some Crazy maneuvering with Brian Anderson, and maybe they aren't able to sign Tucker then either. I so, think they would have, I, no, uh, I mean, I'll, I guess all like the tax avoidance moves would probably be it, but um, that's not even really one move. Th-
2: the worst decision was Les Alexander selling the team
1: to someone for Tita. <laughs> no i thought of that too actually but yeah. i just didn't think it was fair to say it. no
2: i mean selling the team to somebody who wasn't willing to who wasn't willing to spend even though they were a title contender
1: yeah but he's not trying to he doesn't give a shit whether the team's good after he sells it
2: i mean maybe he does he's just trying to get the it's most money it's just a bad decision it was the worst decision for the franchise i've oh, by it's
1: it. not i mean it's not a bad decision for him yeah i guess that's he got true. the most money
2: uh... I've got, I'm standing by it I I, ha, I had to include a fortina dig somewhere and that's that's the digger. yeah
1: I mean I I considered it but yeah um, okay we got three more here let's roll through these quickly
2: um golden state warriors i put it their best decision as not extending harrison barnes and festus azili that yep
1: i had that as well um
2: that set the door for kd um david west zaza patchulia javel uh, mcgee glenn robinson eric pascal lots of lots of decisions kind of on the margins but their best stuff o- occurred before that if you want you could read the chapter of my book on this um worst decision is interesting
1: signed anderson Vergel. i nearly well that's my number two uh i mean it's just like that's one whereas management number one like you got to know a guy's wash but number two just to know what the worst instincts of your coach is going to be and yeah. like save him from himself
2: yep i once wrote an article about that um when i think it was i was arguing for the warriors to trade somebody so don nelson wouldn't play him and I was like the best thing you can do for a coach sometimes is take a card out of their deck um but my my number one is the d'angelo russell trade um they hard capped themselves totally screwed up the roster for this year and then yeah, it might. We'll see how the Andrew Wiggins element of this works out. But I, I'm working actually on a piece on this. It'll probably come out next week for The Athletic about just how different things would have looked if they hadn't made things that complicated. And now they have, you know, they have. Andrew Wiggins on their books
1: yeah and you can throw obviously having to get rid of Andre Iguodala and give up a first to do that
2: yeah because the, that was in, because in that of the hard cap I, I included that within the D'Angelo Russell yeah. decision
1: but but really I mean what was remarkable is between 2016 and 2019 they didn't really even make like a single good move
2: yeah their the draft picks Jacob Evans Damian Jones yeah. uh letting that, that
1: could have cost them the, the 26 2019 championship in the end
2: yeah um, uh letting Kendrick Nunn and Chris Boucher go I I, I counted that yep. um Jordan Poole, twenty eighth. We'll see how that works out. He looked a little bit better. Nick Young for the MLE. I don't think that worked out super well, yeah. though. He did have a couple Didn't either.
1: I mean, yeah. he was. He just didn't give them what they needed.
2: I'm um, picking up Damian Jones' option.
1: Declining Kevon Looney's drafting Jamie and Damian Damian Jones. Jones.
2: And we'll see how the Draymond extension turns out. I think that might sour for them too. Though you could argue that it might end up better than what they... I wonder what would have happened if he had hit free agency this year. Denver. Oh baby. Um, I.
1: So I would say that their best decision.
2: I had a. I had a pretty strong number one here.
1: Yeah. What was yours?
2: Will Barton contract? Will Barton? Um. They remember they had traded for him predating Dunk Don, but they gave him three years, ten point six million dollars, and to get an important role player mm. for you for that type of money, right as they went crazy. I think that really did help set the table for some of this, especially considering ownership's aversion to paying the luxury tax. I think that was important. Uh, the loss in trade, they got a first-round pick for him. That worked out well. Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr., Malik Beasley, um, uh, t- trading Joffrey Laverne, Monte Morris. Uh, we'll see how hiring Mike Malone works. I think Malone's done a very good job for them overall. Now, now, if if we're changing their what, what we're thinking of the Nuggets, maybe, maybe they would need some—I don't love him as a playoff coach, but he has really helped them in the regular season.
1: Um, Yeah, another one would be declining Nikola Jokic's fourth year team option when he was on a minimum and then re-signing him to five years no options and uh, a little bit short of the max that that was a a pretty decent job of negotiating unlike some other ones ultimately I'd probably go with drafting Jamal Murray number seven I guess he was like the obvious pick there though huh that's kind of the problem like they don't actually have any just absolute home run
2: those happened before Mm -hmm. like drafting Jokic that wasn't yeah I mean and
1: and, like drafting Millsap or or, or, uh, signing Millsap they got him for cheaper than I think people thought he was gonna go to just thirty million a year but a, a team option on the last year, that would have to be in there too. I mean maybe that's it because that takes them to like actually being a serious real team. Like that was the step. Um so I'd, pro- I'd probably go there. But they have a lot of like small wins.
2: Yeah. Um, they have a pretty damn big loss. We talked about this in the Utah section. Actually, you could argue they have two. Um, but trading the pick that became donovan Mitchell to move down at the for the return of Trey Lyles and then drafting Tyler Leiden, that's just a huge swing yeah. for them as a franchise. And, and,
1: and when they moved down, I think supposedly they were trying to get OG and Anobi, but they moved down too low, and then Lyles was just like
2: and then or, or and, I'm
1: sorry, and, then uh and, Lyden was just like
2: Yeah, and OG yeah. and I think OG went one pick before them. If you think that he's the guy they could have moved up a couple slots
1: like well and trey lyle's next to nicole Jokic to me never made a ton of sense right uh and then there's the, the uh the ass end of that Nurkic trade uh they gave up a first rounder and Nurkic for plumley and then compounded that by extending plumley at uh, uh or, or resigning plumley and restricted free agency at three years 41 million
2: and like plumley's brother miles he got more money than we would have expected on the market because he was a restricted free agent also drafting emmanuel mudier seventh overall i i mentioned i didn't spe- specify them but some of their salary salary dumps to avoid the luxury luxury tax you know kind of an, a necessary evil sadly but
1: still yeah the donovan mitchell trade's got to be the, oh, yeah. the biggest one though i mean that that one and the Nurkic trade of the two two other ones i mean it's funny like they they've been a successful franchise and they've made some pretty good moves but it, it still seems like their bad moves were, like more Extreme than their good moves. Well, it though. also
2: happened that now, uh,
1: that doesn't include drafting Jokic in 2014.
2: Yeah, their best, some of their best moves predated this, like, you know, trading down and getting Gary Harris and Yusuf Nurkic in that, in that, yeah. that was, that was in fifth, that was in thirteen. Fourteen. Fourteen. Uh, yeah. So that that was huge, but you know that doesn't count within the purview uh, of this. Um, yeah. I mean they they did a they killed it for a stretch of time, and now also like Michael Porter Jr. at fourteen could end up being a huge positive for them. We'll just have to see.
1: Okay. Last one here. Dallas Mavericks. To me, very clearly, it's trading for Luka Doncic. Yep. They gave up a. a Top five protected first round pick in 2019 Uh, for the privilege of doing that. They moved up from three to five and they selected Doncic and uh, that looks great. Uh, is that your number one as well
2: unequivocally uh, a couple other nice ones i just wrote maxi kleba because i think there were a bunch of good decisions involving him bringing him over the first contract and then the the contract they got him to sign as a restricted free agent in 2019 i think that worked out well christophe porzingis trade dennis smith jr wes matthews deandre jordan and two first round picks for porzingis tim hardaway jr courtney lee and trey burke the dorian finney smith contract and getting doug McDermott a second round pick for devin harris
1: they even bringing in dorian finney smith uh to begin with um they also in the at the beginning of the 15-16 season they traded for zaza petrulia for nothing yep. he actually helped them that year that they made the playoffs and uh they also made a nice signing of seth curry uh off the scrap heap essentially in uh, in 2016 uh, any other good ones that you wanted to highlight, or can we move to the worst? Decisions?
2: We can move to the worst. Uh, I I don't think it was fair to include his injury, but and the Mavericks don't have that many bad decisions. But I went with uh, the Dwight Powell extension. Remember, he no, it is
1: fair to include his injury because they didn't need to extend him. That's,
2: like, that's yeah. I guess that's that yeah. That's true. On. They would have known. They would have known. Yeah. That's that's a good point. Yeah. It in this case, it is fair to include it. Um, yeah. So yeah, the Dwight just Powell the, extension. their
1: overall bizarre fascination with him. Uh, I mean, he's a, like to me as a backup ish. Level as
2: well, time, and so. especially because they're not at the place where oh, it's just money over the top. Mark Cuban's a super rich owner. Like they want to use money in the summer of 2021 before Luca before Luca gets his raise, and the money they owe the 10 plus million they owe Dwight Powell is a real problem in that.
1: I'd put number two as their bizarre fascination with DeAndre Jordan. First, there was the whole issue that screwed their free agency in the summer of 2015. And then they followed that up by finally getting him and having him put a postage stamp on the season and get traded to the Knicks.
2: Yeah, uh, another one I put in there was the report the the uh, the extension that they reportedly offered Newlands Noel, even though Newlands Noel didn't take it. That was a pretty bad decision. Uh, maxing out Harrison Barnes wasn't the best thing in the world. Drafting Dennis Smith Jr. number nine, even though you and I both supported it, hasn't worked out super well for them. Um, and then what I I just wasn't sure on in terms of how to do it was the Harrison Barnes trade to Sacramento so they traded Harrison Barnes for Justin Jackson and Zach Randolph and they you know I would say that was a good thing overall for them but it was you know it it asserts that if they thought he was going to opt out then they did kind of take on a little bit for not
1: much reason well and it worked out reasonably well for them also in terms of their cap management they ended up staying over the cap using the trade exception that they had
2: oh that's right yeah that's a good point yeah so I'd say I would put that in the positive over the cap yeah
1: yeah and I mean they they're gonna lose him he was not a part of what they were doing it uh, wasn't a great fit with Luca so I, I and the way that they wanted to play so I, I thought that they that was a good move yep. uh, to move on from him because he just wasn't going to be a part of the team so mm-hmm. um and they, they saved a bunch of money there. Uh, all right, are we done here?
2: Yeah, I'll mention uh, I had a Real Jam Radio with Sam Vicini. We talked about the G League and NCAA changes. And then we went through some of the prospects that I've watched film on and kind of tossed that back and forth. Also have a piece coming uh, on for The Athletic that should be out on Friday or or maybe uh, maybe over the weekend and to mention to people that if you are a subscriber to pay, to our patreon thank you so much for doing so and we have a subscriber mailbag that will come out probably on the weekend and the submission thread is now up
1: yeah thanks so you can check that out at patreon.com slash we will talk to you all next
0: week till then at bet 365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every basket every game every point every play